Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and I'm joined again today by my own cotton companion and colleague, Beck Barnes. Beck, we're playing basketball. How are things going? Yeah, well, it is March Madness, um, and sadly, things are going bad. Things are going, <laughs> things are going real bad uh, for my on my multiple brackets, actually. You know, I'm married, Jim, you know this, I'm married to an Auburn Tiger. Yes. And so I was... Uh, she was there when I was filling my brackets out and thus they had to be in the final game in each of my, each of my <laughs> brackets. And, uh, well, you, you were fine then up till Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. They got bounced out. And now things are, things are bad. I think as the business director of Cotton Grower Magazine, I'm contractually obligated to cheer for Texas Tech from here on out. I seem to think that's probably wise move. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess that's who I, I, I certainly don't have anybody else left to that I'm personally connected to. So I, I'm, I'll have guns up from here okay. on Okay, well, the folks in Lubbock will be happy to hear that. And uh, uh, of course, I'll be out there next week and I'm sure some of the games will be on. So it'll, it'll be an interesting time to, uh, you know, to be, to be in Lubbock for sure. That's right. That's right. You're going for uh, our Texas Cotton Jenner's Gin Show out there. And uh, you'll have to say hey to all our friends out there for me. That's correct. Yeah. And I will, and I will certainly be happy to do so. Yeah, yeah. So uh <laughs> One of one of the folks that we may see, or one of our Texas friends, is uh, our good friends at First Fire Safety, and uh, they. Before we go any further, we want to welcome them back uh, as our monthly sponsor, and they have a quick message they'd like to share with us right now. First Fire Safety is a fire protection company based out of Austin, Texas. We have developed a foam fire suppression system specifically designed to protect the John Deere Round Bale Cotton Harvester. We install this system and train operators all over the world. Be fire ready with a first fire safety fire suppression system. Call today for more information and pricing. 512-777-1555. All right, so thanks again to First Fire Safety for that timely message. Before we, before we get into our, bring our guest into the virtual studio, a couple comments here, a couple of things we, I think we should just sort of talk about a little bit with planting time getting closer and closer. Pretty sure the good folks down in South and Coastal Texas are, are more than ready to start getting their cotton crop in the ground. But as usual, uh, with Texas, moisture seems to be the problem. But as we're, uh, we're recording this issue or this episode issue, listen to me, you and I both have acknowledged the thunderstorm that's going on here in the area. Uh, and hopefully that some of the southern and eastern parts of, of that state are, are got a little bit of some much needed rain out of, uh, out of this front that's coming through. Yeah, yeah, I sure hope so. I know they're anxious to get going down there. You know, it never fails, Jim. We always, uh, we report, it's always what, like middle, late, third week of June. Right on the first bale that gets harvested in the belt. It's always down there in that South Texas area. And uh, without fail, somebody from the panhandle of Oklahoma or somebody up there around Amarillo will, will tweet at us or send us an email that says, I'm not done planting yet. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big belt. It's a big old state, uh, the Lone Star State. Uh, but yeah, hopefully those guys in South Texas are able to plant here before too long. Yeah, well, you know, and, and look, Field activities, if you've ever, if you looked out your window, driven up and down the road, considering you can, you know, afford to put gas in your car at this point, uh, field activity is underway in the Mid-South. I was driving back down I-55 this past weekend uh, after spring break, and aerial applicators were certainly buzzing around, putting down what looked like some some early burndown applications up and down the highway. 
Yeah. Yeah. Love to see that. Love to see those guys uh, staying busy. Yep, definitely. But the story of the day in cotton uh, continues to be prices as are high prices for cotton and also high prices for inputs. Uh, sale and export numbers certainly continue to impress. Uh, in fact, I, I think checked the market this morning and cotton closed near 130 today. So that's, I think, has to be, if not a record high, it's got to be right there. Uh, yeah, I, th I saw a tweet, a uh, guy I trust, a commodity guy, uh, mm -hmm. said it was an 11-year 11, 11 high yeah. uh, this morning. So pretty pretty nice. Yep, definitely. And it, I mean, it sounds great and it is great. Uh, but I keep thinking back to some of the comments that Joe Nicosia made during his uh, Mid-South Farm and Gin Show presentation about prices up in this range. And the ones that stuck with me were, you know, I, I think the key term he kept pulling in was it's high volatility. Uh, that there's a lot of major influences of things that are impacting this price. Uh, and the, I guess the, the scary part of it is prices anywhere from a dollar to a dollar 20 is not an area of equilibrium. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's basically setting us up for what we already knew. It's going to be another roller coaster year. Yeah. Yeah. I got a few things, got a few things going on globally that, uh, yeah, that might impact not only that price, but uh, you know, we know, and again, I, I, we're both raining on this parade. We open with price being a record. <laughs> both of us are kind of, uh, kind of poo it, uh, left and right here, but you know, uh, input costs are, are up there as well. And some of this volatility geopolitically around yeah. the world is certainly going to be impacting that. So um, I know I know it's something you've got, you've had your eye on, Jim. Yeah, well, you know, we've got, obviously, there's rising inflation. We're all, we're all impacted by that. We've got, there's going to be a squeeze on spending. And I mean, let's face it, who knows what's going to happen uh, from this conflict in, in the Ukraine right now. And, and again, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be another interesting ride. And, uh, and speaking of Ukraine, we want our listeners to know that we're closely following the issues that may emerge from this conflict that could potentially impact your business. Uh, we're going to share what we learn, as well as any potential solutions in the pages of Cotton Grower, uh, online at cottongrower.com, and through future discussions here on the Cotton Companion podcast. Well, now to add some additional perspective to what's happening in the cotton world, well, at, at least this week in the cotton world, we're joined in the Cotton Companion virtual studio by Hank Reichley. He's president and CEO of Staple Cotton, which is headquartered in Greenwood, Mississippi. Hank, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Cotton Companion. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate the invitation to come on your program and look forward to our discussion today. Sounds good. Now, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Staple Cotton, can you tell us a little bit about the cooperative, about some of the services, the area you, area you cover, and and roughly how many growers you have as, as members. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, Staple Cotton just celebrated our 100 year anniversary back in 2021. So we're in our 101st year of service. Uh, we're 100% grower owned. We have about 6,700 members and we provide cotton marketing, warehousing and agricultural financing services. Our members grow their cotton in the 11 states that comprise the Memphis Eastern region. And we market their crops on their behalf, uh, both domestically and to uh, more than 20 countries around the globe. So it's, uh, I think we, we can safe to say it's been an interesting 18 months for cotton. Uh, we've watched prices climb to near historic levels. Uh, we've had high demand. We've had good production. Uh, sales are solid, but supply chain issues are obviously impacting 
that's on the export side. What's your current impression of the market and, and where might we be going as planting begins? Well, uh, you're right. It's been a very interesting 18 to 24 months uh, in cotton. I go back 24 months because two years ago, cotton was about 50 cents a pound. Uh, and today, right. you know, it's $1.30. Right. Um, the pandemic shutdown was a key factor in where we find ourselves today. If you think back, uh, while retail sales fell very sharply initially, the recovery at retail was faster than the recovery in the textile supply chain. And that resulted in, in uh, depleted inventory levels. Inventory levels have had a difficult time rebuilding over the last two years, given uh, robust demand. Um, there haven't been any real bumper crops in the US or anywhere else in the world. Uh, as you mentioned, the supply chains have been uh, disrupted and overwhelmed. And then during that time period too, we've seen China come in and purchase a fair amount of cotton for their state reserves, pulling that, that cotton off of the market as well. So um, it's been really interesting. Uh, if, if you look at where we are for the 2021 crop, we have to remember we came into the year with very tight US stocks. And while Texas did get some last minute rains last year and we were able to make a larger crop, we still only ended up with about 17 and a half million bales of production in the United States. And that's around what has become the typical annual demand that we uh, have been seeing between the domestic mills and the export market. So if, if your production only equals your, your de typical demand level, then uh, you have no material built in stocks. And as I mentioned, we were coming into the year with extremely tight stocks. And you mentioned, you mentioned export sales. I mean, demand has been really remarkable. It's only March and we've sold nearly uh, the entire USDA estimate of 14.75 million bales. But technically, exports are not sales. They're, they're, they're only counted as an export when the cotton is shipped. And I believe the shipping situation, as inefficient as it is, will make it very difficult to achieve the 14.75 million USDA export estimate. But that may not really matter if the sales that are on the books um, are, are good sales and the US is either fully or overcommitted to buyers who want cotton and they want that cotton even if it's shipped a little late. Uh, we have to remember that mills are working with extremely low cotton stocks and that all origins of cotton, so our competitors around the world that we, that we compete with uh, for export market share, they're experiencing the same logistical issues that we are in the United States, and in some cases worse. We've actually yeah. seen customers come to the U.S. and say, well, yeah, you're behind, but, um, but you're, you're doing a lot better than a lot of my other suppliers. So um, I would say, we, we, so the one question we have is, what's more important to the market, the pace of the sales or the pace of the shipments? And I think today the pace of the sales are probably uh, more important, but the one concern that I have is that you've got a combination of late shipments and a lot of those sales being on call. And um, we'll just, we'll have to find out if that's gonna cause a problem later this year and if that might result in cancellations. And that would probably only happen at ex extreme levels in the market. So for example, a, a very high July price compared to a December price might cause that to happen, but um, we just have to stay tuned. But it is something that, that um, you know, the market's gonna have to work out and, and what really matters in the end is, is, is the sales or the shipments. And, and today I would say that people are looking at the US balance sheet saying, well, the committed carryout is more important than the fact that the carry 
carry out might grow a little bit. Right now, planting is obviously getting closer. And I know there's some folks down in, uh, in that South Texas area that are kind of chomping at the bit, ready to, to get going. Um, what are you hearing from your member growers about the upcoming season? Are they, are they adding more acres? And, uh, and how are they kind of coping with some of these higher input prices? Well, um, I would say that there is optimism among our members regarding cotton. So that's a very positive thing. But I would also say there's a similar level regarding the other principal crops in the area, uh, corn and soybeans, and particularly in soybeans, uh, given the, the lesser input cost. And you've got you know, new crop prices around $15 a bushel. Um, but, but clearly, when you talk to growers about uh, the prices of, of the crops, they, they immediately bring up, uh, rightfully so, the rising production cost. Um, and it's not just crop protection products and fertilizer, uh, which have increased tremendously in price, but everything else is up too. Obviously, diesel prices are up, uh, labor is up, equipment costs, everything. So variable costs alone are looking like they may be up you know, one third on average. Uh, so I think producers will be very conservative this year and uh, in, in challenge every spending decision that they make uh, very closely. Uh, but again, fortunately, the prevailing prices for new crop are, are helping to offset these higher costs and all the major crops pencil out, assuming diesel, decent yields, um, you know, a, a reasonable profit. Again, it's all the devil's in the details, right? You know, do you get your, you get your inputs? Do you get them applied timely? Um, are today's costs what you ultimately will pay? Are the price levels that the, the markets are offering today, will those be sustained? We've got all those questions, but I would say generally speaking, um, you know, there is optimism about, about farming and about cotton in particular. Uh, we're seeing an, an, an intended increase in acreage across our footprint in the Memphis Eastern region, and it varies, where, it varies widely by state. Uh, but across our region, we're looking at maybe a 5% increase on the low side up to maybe a 10% increase on the higher side. Uh, cotton acreage has been down in some states. Um, some of that was because of weather in the last couple of years. Some of that was just because of uh, the uncertainties within the, within the pandemic. Uh, but some of that's, I think a lot of that's gonna come back this year. So if you look at some places like Louisiana, for example, um, big decrease in acreage the last couple of years, you're gonna see a corresponding large increase in acreage in Louisiana this year. The rest of the region, it's kind of a mixed bag, you know, anywhere from uh, a slight increase uh, to, to flat acres in some states. And then again, uh, some states will be up double digits, but all in all, probably around five to 10%. Uh, right now it's wet and you and I were just, just speaking uh, about how it's raining again. I don't think that has impacted corn planting yet. It certainly has impacted the early corn planting, but we're still in a, in a, in a, um, good corn window. Uh, obviously, if it continues to rain, that could, that could maybe push a few more acres towards cotton. But at this point in time, uh, we don't think we've lost any, any corn production um, due, to, due to the wet weather. While we're talking about acres, USDA is going to release its planting intentions report here at the end of next week. And we've seen acreage projections so far ranging from 12 million up to 12.7 million. Uh, so considering current market conditions, what's your best guess? on where all these uh, total cotton acres are gonna, gonna fall out. Well, yeah, it's, and it's certainly a guess. Hopefully it's relatively educated, but you know, we never know. We think Memphis Eastern cotton acres will be roughly in line with the National Cotton Council estimate back in February, which was about 4.3 million acres. And again, that's up between five and 10% from, from the prior year. 
Uh, Texas Acres in, in their report was were at 6.8 million. Um, indications are that, that that planted number will be higher than that. So if you add uh, maybe somewhere along the lines of a half a million acres out in Texas, and again, that's just a guess, then you're probably looking at something in the, in the 12 and a half to 12 point side, 12.75 million acre range. Um, but again, I think it's very important to remember an, an acre planted in Texas uh, does not translate into an acre harvested in Texas. And that's particularly uh, the case when you have drought and clearly Texas is in a drought and the, and the weather forecast doesn't, doesn't favor uh, drought busting situ uh, a drought busting situation coming in the next uh, few months. So um, probably more acres, but, but ultimately we may end up with less harvested acres if something doesn't change in the United States. So in other words, it sounds like a, a typical production year for West Texas. Very typical production year, either. Definitely. Um, you know, just variable, certainly to say the least. Now, we've all been watching this conflict that's unfolding in, in Ukraine right now. And, and what kind of impact is that going to have in global agricultural markets? And, and how can it potentially impact cotton? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge development for the ag markets. And let me just first say the Russian invasion of Ukraine, in my opinion, is, is despicable and uh, merely in its existence, but also the way that the war is being prosecuted. And I truly hate it for the people of Ukraine. They've, they've got a lot more problems than, than we do in the ag industry because of it. But from a cotton standpoint, I think it has both a bearish and a bullish impact. Um, Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, and China are such huge players in wheat, corn, and fertilizer. Uh, it's definitely inflationary to the ag complex in terms of prices. Um, I believe food security will limit the number of acres that we see in cotton. So we were expecting that global cotton acreage will increase. And while it still may some, uh, we probably will not see as much of an increase given um, food security and what prices have done for other crops. And also history tells us that fertilizer supply and price shocks tend to be followed by lower than trend average yield. So that's something that's also inflationary for the ag complex. Um, so there's, there's obviously concerns on the, on the supply side, but on the demand front, people are gonna be dealing with higher food costs, higher energy costs, overall inflation, and that's likely to erode dis discretionary income. Uh, people are making a little bit more money, but support payments are also decreasing. And that that's clearly has been something that has helped cotton demand um, at the retail level in the last couple of years. So that those, those dynamics are changing a bit. So we'll just have to watch and, and monitor and see if we're able to replicate the, the level of demand that we've seen uh, for cotton, you know, which is now at a, at a historically high level, 124 million plus. Uh, can we grow from that number given the headwinds uh, facing the consumer. We'll just, we'll have to see, but clearly from a supply standpoint, um, things were already tight and, uh, and uh, this war may make things even tighter across the agricultural markets. So as we, uh, again, as, as we're heading into, into planting at this point, uh, what do you think are kind of the biggest watchouts for growers right now? And do you have any advice on how growers should start planning their marketing programs now for this year? Well, look, I think the things that we have to watch, uh, we have to remember that, that the cotton balance sheet is the most important. It's where the futures market is, with the largest exporter in the world. And uh, it's gonna be one of the, the, the biggest price indicators. And um, so obviously in, in that vein, we have to pay a lot of attention to the Texas weather 
And then also too, we have to look at the global acreage number as well. Because if you get a combination of, of, of less of an increase than we were expecting globally in production and also uh, uh, low US production, then that's, that's gonna be uh, quite supportive for prices. Um, I also think that we need to watch India. India is, is a, a country that is just really, uh, you can't say how important they are to the global balance sheet. They've emerged as a pivotal player, pivotal player, pivotal player, um, particularly because it looks like we're going to see more imports from, in, uh, from India and less exports going out into the market. So again, that puts uh, greater emphasis on the other exporters, and uh, the U.S. obviously is, is a major one of those. So, and then, of course, uh, we have to watch and see what China does. If, if China continues to try to uh, repl replenish their reserve stocks, particularly in a situation when there's not a, a excess global supply, then that would, uh, that would be uh, supportive for prices. From a macro standpoint, we have to remember that the, the long side of these markets, uh, but mainly the ag markets and, and all commodity markets, the long side of it uh, that's holding the length is, is the, are speculators. And they're gonna look at things both from a fundamental standpoint, but also largely through a macro view. And anything that uh, changes in the macro outlook, the geo, uh, macro economical outlook, but also the, the uh, geopolitical outlook that makes them want to reduce that length, that would be negative for prices. So um, we've, got to, we've got to remember that uh, speculators are part of the reason that the prices have moved up and they can, they can be part of the story if, if prices move down. And it, and it may not be particularly um, directly related to cotton. It may be, it may be more from a macro uh, standpoint. And I would say, look, given where things stand today, prices are likely to remain you know, elevated more or less at, at these historically high levels until something changes either in the Texas weather or on the macroeconomic front. Um, I think the stacks program that we have was a, a good buy this year for relatively inexpensive downside protection. Uh, our company put out a video about that just to highlight its existence and make sure people investigated it. I think you can you you were afforded some some downside protection through that program. Uh, it sounds like a, a fair amount of folks uh, took advantage of that. But I think growers most importantly need to design a program for for hedging and marketing around uh, this realization that the, the market can move substantially higher or lower, um, and we just have to we don't know uh, what all is in front of us in terms of uh, again changes in demand, uh, but also particularly supply. And um, you know, we, we have to realize that we are at relatively high prices, but we're, we're there for fundamental reasons. We're there for inflationary reasons. We're there for supply side, uh, supply chain issues. And uh, those are very likely to, uh, at least on the supply side, they're very likely to continue to exist and to new crop. And we have to take that into account. Sounds good. Well, I hope uh, all you listeners out there, I hope you were, you were paying attention and taking some good notes uh, off all this information. Hank, thank you for joining us today. I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, we're all going to be watching crop progress this year and, and certainly keep our fingers crossed that, uh, that everybody ends up on the positive side. So absolutely. Look, I just want to say thank you again for the opportunity. Um, be glad to join you uh, whenever you want to talk. And I want to wish everyone good luck with this year's, this year's crop. Thank you, Hank. We'll, we'll definitely be sure to visit with you again. Well, that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. A special thanks to Hank Reichley of Staple Cotton for his thoughts and his advice. 
And thanks too to First Fire Safety for sponsoring this episode. And as always, thanks to you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your friends about this podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The Cotton Companion podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes. His name's Jim Stedman. And we'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made it for me.